0: And now that the video is recording, we go ahead and we hit that play button on that music there because you guys like that music. I know you do. Who wouldn't like that music? It's great. Made by Scotty Jam Jam. Very talented fellow, as a matter of fact. Welcome to Surreal politiques, Surreal politique in an Unreal World, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, this world is uh, kind of unreal, you might have gathered. And today it is, we are we are told, of course, you know, we're told that today is July 24th, 2023 is the current year. This is Stage 1, Episode 19, and I titled this today, To Give It All, Part 1. Um, as one who has uh, dedicated his life to media and activism for over a decade... I am not infrequently asked in a variety of contexts, how can I do more for whatever cause it is the questioner may find him or herself involved in? There is, of course, no singular answer to such a question. To begin, more is a relative term, of course, and so what counts as more depends very much on what one is doing in the moment. Then there are the specifics of the cause at issue, the circumstances of the moment, questions of geography, the choices one has made to date, and ultimately one's innate capacity. But I will today attempt to give you the briefest of crash courses in how one goes about giving the maximum they can to streamline one's life in such a way that as little as possible may interfere with the passions. As a matter of fact, you know what I don't want to interfere with? I don't want to interfere with the viewing enjoyment of uh, of the folks on Telegram. We want to get those Telegram folks right in here, and uh, that's what we don't want to interfere with, their passions, because they're passionate about the show. So as I was saying... You know, I've been at this thing for a while, and uh, people ask me these questions about how can I do more. So I'm going to try to give you this crash course today to streamline your life uh, in such a way that as little as possible may interfere with your passions. I'm calling this part one because we cannot possibly endeavor to, uh, to cover all of this in a single two-hour recording, of course, and uh, I have limits on my time, and you certainly have limits on your attention. Uh, so we're going to need to revisit this again, of course. But I hope to give you some information that you may find useful, even in other aspects of your life, of course. Because what good is it if it's only if it's only political? And I will tell you up front, you know, I mean, I shouldn't apologize for having, you know, what is it, almost five thousand words prepared, forty-five hundred, as it were. But uh, there are things that I wanted to get to today which I have not had time to prepare words for, and so. Uh, depending on uh, if you light up my phones at 217-688-1433 before I get done with what I've prepared. Maybe I'll riff a little bit off the cuff about some things, um, but there's definitely a lot of stuff that I meant to get to today. I, I got a phone call not long before the show. I spent some time on the phone with an attorney for one of the defendants in the uh, the uh, Unite the Right rally indictments down in Charlottesville, Virginia, now Mall County, as it were. And so I've been trying to help with those cases because you might have gathered I happen to know a little bit uh, I know a thing or two about a thing or two about what happened down there having defended myself in a civil lawsuit having been through the Alamo County uh criminal court system I know a thing or two about the situation so trying to be helpful to the lawyers that obviously occupy some time so there were things that I wanted to get to today I'm not going to be able to get to but uh, this uh this is a fine primer in any case And before I get to any of it, uh, prudence demands, I say, the following, okay? You you should almost certainly not take this advice, at least not in whole. You don't want to be a full-time activist, okay? You you do not want to give your all to your cause, whatever your cause may be. No matter how noble, no matter how just, full-time activism is, above all, pathological behavior. Near everyone who attempts this is less excited about their cause than they are unhappy about their own life. In the likely event that this is the case for you, then you should first and foremost understand that activism will not solve your problem. It will almost certainly make it worse. The primary reason our politics are so damaged today is far simpler and less controversial than most people would like to believe. It is because unhappy people are trying to make the world conform to their vision, and this is because they are psychologically incapable of coping with the realities which they themselves are met with. They are miserable people and they think themselves, they think to themselves, I should say, that they can be happy if other people do as they wish. And they seek to control the government to bring this about through its coercive powers. And you see the results of this every day, of course. They are not admirable, you might have noticed. This pathology figures most prominently in the LGBTP phenomenon, wherein sick men dress up like women and pervert children as their only means of reproduction. They meet the appropriate disapproval of the parents and others, and they seek to wield the force of the state against those who would stop their predatory conduct. You see it also in various ethnocentric movements, wherein a given ethnic group is blamed for the problems of another, and it almost goes without saying that violence is the terminus of this pathology. They seek to wield the force of the state as the ultimate weapon against the targets of their ethnic animus, almost invariably with genocidal aims. You see it emerge in, uh, in what ha- is uh, called class warfare, of course wherein the elites fend off competition from the middle class, crushing them, growing the ranks of the poor. And the poor, now in such numbers and endowed with the capacities of the former middle classes, see the elites with some merit as the barrier to their upward mobility. By ballot or bullets, they grab the reins of the state, liquidate the class enemy, and find themselves as a body without a brain. All of the above are examples of People blaming others for their problems and their failures and their pathologies. And you will be no better than they if you do this. So the first thing you absolutely must do before you even consider getting involved in activism, much less devoting much more so if you are devoting your life to your cause, is to get your own damn house in order. If you cannot be responsible for your own life, then you have absolutely no business commanding the lives of others through politics. Moreover, you will make no allies of any quality if you are a mess, and anyone who helps a person in this state to ascend in politics will be the most nefarious sort of benefactor. You may very well find yourself paid handsomely by someone who seeks the destruction of all that you value because they understand that you are the perfect instrument to destroy your own cause. You could be the fire that they pour the gasoline on and you will have a grand old time as you help to discredit and destroy all that is decent and all that you value. Let us next ask ourselves this question. Are you ready to die for your cause? Do you take it that seriously? If not, then you may continue listening for entertainment purposes. And as I said, you may find parts of this useful in other aspects of your life. But this is definitely not the set of instructions that you need to follow. If you are really going to give your all to your cause, then you are in a very real sense giving up your life. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. Hath you this great love for your cause, my friend? And you ought not rush to answer that question, I should know. Moreover, you being suicidal is actually not an affirmative answer, believe it or not. Many miserable people want to die, you know, and you would not be at all unique if you were one such person. One who merely wished to assign some meaning to your death. There's nothing special at all about this, and your death would be quite worse than meaningless in all likelihood. The phenomenon emerges most often in murder-suicides. Whether they scream Allahu Akbar, white power, or die cis scum as the blaze of glory takes its toll, the pathology and the outcome have tragically little to separate them. These are unhappy people who would have ended their lives for this alone, and the cause for which they fancy themselves martyrs is a mere costume they wear. They make a mess, which invariably increases the burdens on those who remain earthbound to fight another day. Hath you so great a love for your friends that you increase their burdens as yours stain the carpet and paint the walls? Speak not to the living of your sacrifice, ghost, They toil here while you rest. Or perhaps you are so devoted to your beliefs that you would gladly spend the rest of your life in prison in their name. Well, that is an interesting theory indeed, is it not? In my experience, men tend to reconsider this plan right around the time law enforcement arrives. They tend to, uh, they re- the remainder, I should say, tend to do so sometime before they die of old age in the cage. Many who are not Muslim when they get there convert to Islam in prison, abandoning entirely whatever they purported to have wanted themselves for. Much of this is born from a terrible misconception of what prison is. They think of it as losing years, as if this was just a matter of numbers on a ledger moving from revenues to expenditures, black to red, however costly. But it is not that, of course. Years in prison are years of life. It's years of waking up in the morning, years of going to work, years of navigating social situations, years of needing money, budgeting, and in near all circumstances, asking those still in freedom to send money for you to do so. Hath you so great a love for your cause that you would demand of it sustenance for the rest of your life while you are removed from the struggle that you purport to fight for? If so, then speak not to the working of your sacrifice. Say that you have the capacity to earn a mere $2,000 a month, and in service to your cause, you instead willingly live at the expense of others eating ramen noodles in prison. If you do this, you are not a martyr, but a fool and a mooch. You would have done far more for your cause by anonymously commenting on the Twitter timelines of politicians once or twice a week, or better still, by going to work each day, saying nothing about politics to anyone, and donating some portion of your income to those more capable than you. Better yet, you would do still more for your cause than that by putting those same dollars into an index or mutual fund and growing a source of capital for 20 years and then investing that capital into a business which generated yet more capital and investing that capital into the businesses of others who would then do the same, all the while increasing your wealth while you showered your wife and your many children with gifts. Do you mean to tell me that you would sooner die or spend the rest of your life in prison, then save 10% of your income. If you lack this much discipline, then what I am about to say will be of very little use to you. Now, none of this is to say that a man cannot make history and for the better through martyrdom or imprisonment. Many have, and surely many more certainly will, but only a fool sets such a goal what uh, what happened here i am being informed that my phone system has been disconnected and i must uh remedy that if you will pardon me for just a moment um why did my uh why did this disconnect me stand by ladies and gentlemen stand by while i get this show back online because i uh i'm nothing without you of course so stand by while i fix this um Pardon me, of course. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on.
1: Thank you for calling Colin Studios host and call screener line. Please enter your show or Enter your six digit pin number,
0: well, I can't tell you my pin number
1: mm-hmm. dun, dun. uh Uh? uh. Welcome, host. Okay. You have not started a show session in Collins yes, Studio. Yes, I have. And-
0: I start a call-in Welcome, session host. before you I start the, the show. Yeah, of course manage I am. You right. the
1: call-in Studio web interface.
0: You know, it's a good thing that I'm Audio talented, or this news. might rattle me, oh. and I might be Do thrown off camera. my track. But it's a good thing that I'm a professional broadcaster, and I take these things in stride, you follow? And so as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, you know, none of this is to say uh, that uh, you can't make history and for the better— you know, by laying down your life and spending the rest of your life in prison, you know. But, uh, you know, if you do this uh, on purpose, that's uh, that's really—that's incredibly stupid is kind of the point I'm getting at. If it happens, it happens. You know, you should be ready to do it, but <clears throat> you should not set it as your goal. Everybody dies, you might have gathered, Okay. Uh, There's nothing actually all that special about dying. Sooner or later, everybody's going to die. Arguably, some die more often than others, as a matter of fact. But there is nothing special about it. Prisons are filled not with martyrs, but with criminals and degenerates. And a man who aspires to be their most upstanding neighbor sets an extremely low bar for himself. An ounce of perspective is worth a pound of regret. Being successful as an activist is not all that different from being successful in anything else. And if you are not successful in whatever it is you are doing now, there is no reason to believe that you would be more successful if you were to choose a different and altogether more difficult course. Your willingness to suffer may prove an asset, but only to the extent that it contrasts with your capacity to create the circumstances which warrant enjoyment, okay? So let us begin here. For the moment, forget all about politics, okay? There is exceedingly little chance that you have fulfilled the prerequisites of giving your all to your cause. To give your all to your cause, and for this to be a meaningful contribution, you must first have uh, something to give besides your time and your ideological fervor. So I've sort of like put a number of steps together here. And we begin with things that you got to do, like, before you even bother to consider this. And the first thing you need to do, step one, okay, step one, the first thing you do, because this is what everybody skips this step, and that's why they all mess up and they end up in a lot of trouble. Step one, calm down, okay, calm down. Professional activists and media personalities have it as their jobs, it's part of their job description, to gin people up. All right. If you want to be one of these people, you don't submit to their manipulations of the general public. You you do what they are doing. Okay. Activism is not a matter of practicing what you preach. As a matter of fact, these are completely different categories of action. Activists are, quote, on the front lines, and the necessary implication of that term is that there are people behind them. The activist and those behind him live very different lives, and activism would be a wholly unsustainable venture were it not for this fact. To be sure, most activists are fanatics. Ideological fervor is their driving passion, and it proves useful. One would not otherwise consider such a course when money and sex and other rewards flow so comparatively easy to other paths in life. But successful ones, activists who chart sustainable courses and stay in the game for decades, ones who make an impact, and as an uh, ones who make an impact as a consequence of this sustained effort, they learn to compartmentalize. Okay. They exhibit the time management skills of the best-trained professionals and in the most demanding industries. However sharp their instincts may be and however quickly they may need to react to circumstances which change rapidly, they also plan meticulously. They make sure they have the things that they need. They make sure they do no more time behind bars than they can make politically useful. And above all, they stay alive. Because typically, a man who lives for his cause does far more good than a man who dies for it. There's a quote by General George S. Patton. He said, no dumb bastard ever won a war by going out and dying for his country. He won it by making some other dumb bastard die for his country. And that uh, goes for you and your political activity as well, of course. And so now that you have uh, made sure that you're not flying off the handle and jumping into politics all recklessly, your second step is to secure a non-political stream of income. All right. People who observe activists, they see the activists soliciting donations. For example, I tell you all of the time that you should go to surrealpolitics.com slash donate or to go to givesentgo.com slash SPM. Or you see uh, oh, you see uh, the now it's over here. those of you who are watching the video, you see my Bitcoin QR code right there, and you you can send me Bitcoin, right? And that's a great idea. As a matter of fact, real quick, I'll actually do this. Since I like you guys so much, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull up my, uh, my Exodus cryptocurrency wallet. And when I do that, um, if you guys send me Bitcoin during the live broadcast, you'll hear the ka from my Exodus wallet. And wouldn't that be great for you? You would love to hear that. And uh, of course, if you want to send me something other than Bitcoin, all of my, all of my um, well, not all of them, but my addresses for the most popular cryptocurrencies can be found at surrealpolitics.com slash donate. So you can send me Ethereum or Monero, whatever you like. And then you'll hear the ka-ching while while we're doing this, and that would be a lot of fun for you. I mean, it's not even about me at that point. You just want to hear the ka-ching, of course. And so, uh, you know, that would be uh, that would be really smart. So, but anyway, you see, people observe activists soliciting donations, and and from this, people infer that activists are paid primarily in this way. But the activists who observe others, well, they know differently. If an activist is fighting for a righteous cause, and he is almost certainly an opponent of those in power, consequently, those who support him will have rather well-defined limits on their capacity for generosity, of course. An activist who lives off donations alone is an activist with no future, or at least no bright future. Politics is above all tumultuous. An activist trade is in risk. He, his, he makes bold moves and risks upsetting people, including those who finance his work. If he must defer to benefactors or find himself sleeping amidst the junkies in the park, then at some point there shall he find himself, lest he forfeit his passions to material want. Even in the case of crowdfunding, when you get smaller donations from large numbers of people, and perhaps especially in this case, actually, under some circumstances, he now finds himself subject to the whims of popular opinion. Subject thereto, he is in no position to mold this opinion, which is, after all, the whole entire point of the Enterprise. "...properly understood, donations supplement rather than constitute an activist's income. If applied appropriately, these being surplus revenues, they go not to routine expenses, but to capital investments in the activist's trade. Donations do not buy a month's rent. They buy better audio equipment, a vehicle with better gas mileage, or more seating, perhaps some advertisements or other promotional consideration. In short, they buy something the activist would not have bought save for that donation." Rent, food, phone, car payment, car insurance, health insurance, taxes, regular clothes, internet access, they do not count. If you cannot afford rent, food, phone, car payment, car insurance, health insurance, taxes, clothes, and internet without, without activism, then you cannot afford these things with activism, okay? To be a full-time activist, you must be able to afford all of these things and still have time and energy to devote to your cause. If you have any interest in being married and having a family, then you must be able to afford all of those things for you, for your wife, and for your children, and have the time to devote to them, and then after all of this, still have time and energy to devote to your cause. If you are young and you have grand enough designs, you, you have reasonable expectation of accomplishing them, perhaps you defer the family in pursuit of your passion. Perhaps you hope to find your wife in the course of this pursuit. But given the pathologies we described in our opening paragraphs, one ought think deeply about the wisdom of that prospect. More on that subsequent. In this second step of our guide, obviously, we cannot make this a treatise on making money. Many books and podcasts and seminars and college courses and entire lifestyles are devoted to this subject, and we'll not be able to cover all of their wisdom and stupidity in a two-hour recording. But we can quickly say a few things about this as it pertains to the activists specifically. An effective activist shows up in space and becomes an unavoidable fact of political reality. He does not exist entirely online, thus he requires the capacity to travel, and a job that requires him to be on scene 40-plus hours a week will not suffice. As you are building yourself, there's nothing wrong with working such a job, but to devote your life to your cause, you will have to seek new income streams. There are many ways to earn money absent a geographic tether. Almost all of them involve computers. You will need to make an assessment of your existing talents and of your capacity to learn new skills. While doing so, you must keep in mind also your inclinations because you are terribly unlikely to master a skill that you dislike. Well-paid, highly skilled professionals love their jobs and not only because of the money involved. There have been many surveys in which high-earning people are asked what they would do differently if they won the lottery or something to this effect. Consistently, they would still be performing the same professional skills they are performing at the time they are surveyed. You might do, they might do them somewhere else. They might, you know, buy new resources to do them more effectively. They might hire people to do them on a grander scale, but the highest earners would not quit their jobs if you handed them a winning lottery ticket. It has become something of a troll phrase to say, learn to code, but if you have a capacity for this, whether you are already on this path or whether you are, you know, young enough to learn a new skill, if you have a high IQ, this is an unrivaled capacity for one who wants freedom of movement and time. Another great skill is sales. You're going to hear me say this a lot during the uh, rolling out and forthcoming episodes of Surreal Politiques, particularly commission sales. If you can sell, you can write your own ticket anywhere. If you could sell over the phone, geography becomes completely irrelevant. In this trade, a high IQ obviously helps since there is hardly anything where it hurts. But not all salespeople are geniuses. In sales, a certain level of organizational capacity combined with social intuition can take you wherever you need to go once you learn the skills of the trade. And we're going to talk about that more as uh, as we roll on with subsequent um, episodes of this. But I'll tell you now, I've, I've talked about it before. Robert Cialdini's Influence, um, or yeah, the name of the book is Influence. Robert Cialdini's persuasion is very important in this is, uh, these are great books on the subject of persuasion. And then once you do that, you'll have, you know, the groundwork of persuasion and you can use that to, uh, to find other material on sales. Once you start looking for, if you, if you have, um, anyway, wherever you go looking for reading material or audiobooks or anything like that, um, you will find, uh, lots of literature and lots of audio on the subject of sales. And you can learn this in your car. Um, there are countless differences between the highly paid and the lower paid people of our society, but the most notable one is specialization. It is a very good professional trait to be good at many things. There's nothing wrong with that, obviously, especially if you're starting your own business. You need to be able to do everything yourself so that you can do all of the jobs of the company as you build your team. You need to know what the job is to hire somebody for it, obviously. But the master of one skill is paid much more highly than one who is pretty good at many skills, okay? Okay. If your specialty is that you can do lots of things, well, then you have lots of things to do. Your goal is to have as little work to do as possible while deriving the maximum possible benefit. So the more you narrow your specialization, so long as it is in sufficient demand, the greater the benefit to your activist lifestyle. It might go without saying that the best way for an activist to make money is in his sleep, of course, whether this is through investment income or through some kind of software as a service model or by having built a company in which the operations are managed by a trusted team. There is no easy way to get to this point, notably, to to have money to make investments that earn investment income, one must have already been you know, reasonably highly paid or at least been putting money away for some period of time. To build a software as a service business, one must have the skills to do so. To build a business of any sort, one must have had many skills, a specialization and money to invest in that company. And so it's no small task to make money while you sleep. It's a lot more difficult than it sounds. Um, and we'll talk more about Reading and learning as we go forward, but I'll say here that you should check out in on the in the vein of earning. Look into Brian Tracy. I've talked about him in a number of different broadcasts recently. Um, Brian Tracy has a lot of different audio books out. I've read, I've listened to some of them. Um, no Excuses, The Power of Self-Discipline. I, re- I forget the title off the top of my head, but he had a really great one that I just listened to about branding, like like branding and marketing. Um, there's another one that I, I listened to a large portion of it, but it turned out the copy I had of it was like broken. It was like corrupted and I have to go get it. But what I was able to listen to of it, uh, of it was pretty good. It's actually, It was 21 Ways to Stay in Love Forever, okay? And, like, what Brian Tracy does that I think is really useful is he he does these things, as I said, you know, 21 ways to do this. 21 Secrets of Self-Made Millionaires was the one I just listened to, okay? He does these things in lists. And I, you'll hear me say from time to time, if, especially if you're in the uh, show prep group on Telegram, I, I'm like, a list is, like, the greatest thing in radio, okay? And it's not just good for radio. It's good for all types of things because lists break things down into, like— Easily consumable bits and the titles of the of the steps or, or or of the bullet points of the list psychologically they're good like they stand out in your mind and so you can remember you know the you know the the whatever the tenth rule is and you remember the name of it and while you might not remember you know this paragraph being discussed in a longer conversation when you remember the rule then you it it your your mind works by categorizing things, right? And so it it conjures the things that you learned about that that bullet point on the list. It's very useful to break things down in this way. On um, one of the member chats recently, I went into his 100 absolutely unbreakable laws of business success. And, you know, a list of 100 is a lot more difficult to consume than a list of 21, obviously. But there's a lot of, you know, useful things in there. Step three, cut your expenses, okay? Do not fall victim to what is known as Parkinson's Law, which states expenses rise to meet income, right? Successful people resist them this temptation at every turn, and they move in the opposite direction, okay? There's a tendency you get a raise. You're like, oh, well, what else can I afford to buy? What can I afford to pay for, right? Well, no, like that's actually not a generally a good thing for you to do in life, as a matter of fact, and it's, and it's all the worse for you to do if you're trying to be an activist and you're going to meet all the uncertainty of that that field. Surplus revenue only occurs when one's expenses are below one's income, all right? And there's countless online resources discussing subjects such as, like, extreme couponing, fee avoidance, freebie hunting, and other innovative ways to cut expenses. And in the show notes for today, for Stage 1, Episode 19— I give you this like bullet list, uh, bullet pointed list of different websites you could look at. The the crazy coupon lady, but K and Crazy, the practical saver, club thrifty, don't work another HowToShopForFree.net, with How to thepennyhoarder.com, Well Kept budget uh, budgeting LogicalDollar.com, ProjectUntethered.com, CleverGirlFinance.com, StackYourDollars.com. There are too many of these sites to list. That was already getting long, I know. Uh, you can find more of these things. You know, when you go to these sites, you're also going to notice, like, themes emerge. There's, spe- there's specializations that emerge in, you know, cheapskate living, say. And you could search for those themes and you could find sites that specialize in those specific things. You will find forums and social media groups where people exchange ideas about these and other themes, and these will prove a valuable resource to you in cutting expenses. But the key theme to all of them is to keep it in mind at all times, fundamentally. Whenever you do anything, ask yourself, you got to think to yourself, like, how can I do this at less expense? Okay, And when you do, like, consider the time that you spend doing something as one of those expenses that you budget for, all right? It makes little sense for a capable person to spend two hours doing something that saves $2, okay? But, you know, unless unless you just have nothing to do for the next two hours, in which case maybe that's the best spending of your time, okay? Among these sites are two that I have extensive and direct experience with and I can tell you are very valuable. Nerdwallet.com is a great resource for comparing financial services, okay? Avoiding ATM and overdraft fees are among the easiest and most important things that you can do in terms of your regular financial dealings. I do not pay them, and you should not pay them either. As a brief hint, I'll say that like ATM fees, you should not be paying ATM fees. Even if you are using some kind of debit card whose financial institution doesn't have a branch near you or to where you're going to be traveling, Um, you know, I have a, well, I'm not going to tell you where my bank account is, but in any case, like if I go somewhere where my, my bank is not, I still don't pay ATM fees. You know, if you normally, if you go to the ATM, you know, at your bank branch, you know, they don't, they don't charge you. And if you go somewhere else, they do. But if you go to like the supermarket, okay. And you go buy, you could go buy a pack of gum or, you know, just other cheap item. I'm not saying gum specifically, but uh, you do the debit cash back thing from your debit card. It's especially useful if you use like um. I have the Cash App debit card, for example. I have um. I, I used to have the BitPay Visa debit card. They went out of business, or they're not out of business, but they shut it that program down. Whatever the case is, like if you're when you start acquiring different financial services. Some of the institutions that you're going to do business with don't have a branch in your city, and you're not going to be able to go to a fee-free ATM. But you can avoid ATM fees by doing debit cash back at the supermarket. And there's usually no limit to like you. Could, there's limits to how much you could take out at any one time. But like say that limit is $200. There's nothing saying that you can't go back there and do it five times in a day. Most most cases. Another website that has great information on this kind of thing is called CheapRVLiving.com, like recreational vehicle, CheapRVLiving.com. If you want to learn how to live cheaply, study the homeless, but not like just any junkie in the park because those people are not good at budgeting their money. Uh, they are in that position because they cannot manage their lives, of course. okay. Cheap RV living is a lifestyle choice. And while it is not one I suggest that you make, You can learn a great deal from people who have made that choice, all right? They decided that they would rather travel and have maximum leisure time than devote themselves to chasing money. And your goal, of course, is to have maximum leisure time and chase money and to travel, okay? You want to do all of those things. And so um, this will be a very valuable resource in having leisure time and traveling, uh, though not with chasing money. In addition to cost-cutting, Cheap RV Living will provide you with helpful information about traveling more generally, and that is obviously going to be helpful if you're running around making yourself a nuisance to people in power. And uh, as we will later have to discuss uh, the subject of worst-case scenarios before we're done, um, it has very helpful information, of course, for people who feel they need to hide. For reading and listening material, I got to say, you know, books are great. It's great to have a paper copy of a book. But unless you're in prison, you actually don't need one. Um, You're going to want to be doing a lot of reading and a lot of listening as we go forward. And so there's no reason for you to go buy a book ever. Okay, now, if I publish a book, you're obviously going to want to publish. You're going to buy the book. You're going to want to buy... Like copies and you're going to want to buy a whole bunch of my books, right? Because you've been waiting forever for me to publish a book. And when I do it, you're going to be so happy that I did that you're going to buy it and buy it and buy it and buy it. But other than that unique scenario, there's no reason for you to be like going out and paying for a book in your hand. Um, If you need you, what you need to do is you need to get like a library card, like you go wherever is local to you. And you say, hello, library. I'd love a library card. And they're like, okay, you know, thanks for showing up. And then they give you a library card. Okay. And then you use a smartphone app. It's called Libby. L I B B Y. You go on, um, you go on the Google play store or the Apple app store and you get this Libby thing. And, through this you can actually get ebooks and audiobooks from your local library and this is a really great resource. You can also use more than one library card with the app so whether you have, you know, residences in more than one place or it would be a tremendous utility if you had like a bunch of friends who did the same thing and you share their library cards between a group of trusted friends. You would not want to go around like passing these things around on the internet because there are some like limits on how many books you can borrow at a time and you know, if, if a 500 people are logging in using your library card, they might notice and shut your library card off. But, you know, with like a dozen friends or so, you're you're actually not going to have this problem. Maybe, maybe 10 would be the upper limit because I think some places have a limit. You could borrow 10, whatever the limits on the card, you know, are sort of going to dictate. But if you have a few friends who are into like reading and listening to audiobooks, you could do this. And this avoids all like the licensing stuff, worrying about, you know, DMCA complaints, torrents and stuff like that. But, of course, torrents are a tremendous resource for media as well, not only for audiobooks and ebooks, but also, like, video. If you want to watch, like, documentaries, you want to watch, you know, even for, you know, leisure entertainment stuff, okay? In the course of, like, cost-cutting, you might want to cancel your TV service, for example. You definitely don't want to pay to go to the movies if you're trying to co- cut uh, costs. And you also don't want to pay for software. So, like, you know, torrents can help you do that. Now, you know... I'm not going to go into great detail on torrents, but if you research the subject BitTorrent, you're going to find all you need to know. It's a peer-to-peer file sharing protocol. And if you're not careful, like you might break copyright laws. Okay, Now, uh, I would not here suggest that you do anything illegal. You have to understand that, of course. So you have to make sure that you're obeying the law because you might do so like by accidently or whatever, you know. And so don't break the law, but you should be aware that, you know, people break the law with BitTorrent all the time, and they very rarely get held to account for it. Um, and so, like, you know, people download, you know, Adobe Photoshop is like, I don't know, it used to cost hundreds of dollars. Now they charge you like $25 a month for it. You know, some people use this to break the law and download software illegally, and you definitely shouldn't do that. But other people do it, and they get all the stuff for free. So, you know, you keep that in mind. Uh, you're going to want to acquire master and protect diverse financial services and tools. If your activism is worth its calories, you're going to become the enemy of financial institutions, of course, and this will cause you unceasing problems. Uh, to continue your activity, you are going to be ne- need to be able to, uh, to roll with the punches of dealing with money uh, as, as means of dealing with money are removed from you, of course. Among the most important tools in this toolbox is going to be cryptocurrency, but you should certainly understand that this is not as some literature would have you believe, some kind of like anonymous bulletproof financial system, okay? Cryptocurrency is not specific I'm sorry, cryptocurrency that is not specifically designed to improve upon privacy flaws in systems like Bitcoin are subject to said flaws and 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 they certainly exist, okay? Lots of people have been arrested after analysts have used the blockchain ledger to track financial dealings. In most cases, you will have to change Bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies into dollars before you can spend them. And this is the weakest link in the chain. Right now, the Securities and Exchange Commission has lawsuits against several major cryptocurrency exchanges to include Binance.us and Coinbase. And of course, Binance.us comes as a result of the uh, of the federal government going after Binance.com and being like, hey, like, I know that you are trying to uh, act like you're some stateless cryptocurrency exchange, but here in America, like, we like to, you know, use laws against people like you. And so uh, you're going to need to know what jurisdiction you are. And they're like, oh, well, we don't, we don't, we're not even operating in your country. Here's Binance.us. You could sue them. And so the SEC suit, Binance and Coinbase in these lawsuits. They have had the effect of putting several other cryptocurrency companies out of business, such as Bittrex, and restricting the movement, uh, freedom of movement, I should say, for others, notably Skrill and BitPay. Privacy-centered cryptocurrencies like Monero, they usually cannot be traded on American exchanges. You have to exchange them for something like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash before you can change them for dollars. If you are doing anything worthwhile your paypal and venmo accounts are and 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 those accounts if they are linked to that activity well then you are almost certainly going to be banned from these services my suggestion to you then if you have not already been through this is to have these services and do not publicly list them anywhere don't let anybody know that you have uh, you know paypal or venmo don't put it on your website hey send me paypal because that's how you're going to get kicked off of paypal You're also likely to have trouble with Stripe at some point, and Stripe can be very valuable, so you're going to want to be very careful with how you use that service because being banned from it can have serious consequences and they are permanent. They don't go away. Interestingly, Square, though they have kicked people off, has not been so stubborn about allowing people back on. Square operates something called Cash App, and Cash App has a debit card, which can be very useful. You should definitely have Cash App and the Cash App debit card, Um, And a cash app is also very useful in that it can be used to buy and sell Bitcoin. Very important. Strike Payments is a newer payment system. They don't have a debit card. They were planning to launch one. But with the SEC lawsuits um, against those other companies, they canceled the plans to do it. But they can do bank deposits and bank withdrawals using the ACH system with your checking account. Um, and then you can you can transfer them back and forth to people uh on the strike payment system, and that's a great idea. And you can go to strike.me slash cantwell and you can send me money there if you feel like it, because that would be, I mean, wouldn't that make your day? You should definitely have this service. And of course, uh, if you don't already know, give send, go.com is better than gofundme.com by leaps and bounds. One of the things that you are definitely going to want to do is you're going to want to form an LLC, a limited liability company. Among the most important things that you can do is forming this. Uh, This is important for reasons that uh, more reasons that I'm going to be able to get to today. Uh, But first among them is that you may run into situations where you have problems with a service and you would far prefer for your LLC to be banned from that service than you as an individual. That's very worth keeping in mind. Under that circumstances, under that circumstance, you the individual may simply form a new LLC and use the service again with that LLC. Should should circumstances arise, um, it, it's also relevant if you end up getting involved in litigation for any reason. Okay, if your company does something that is different from you doing something, and the the LLC can sometimes shield you from liability. Also, um, there's forms of insurance for your LLC that will obtain for you like legal representation and that sort of thing that you cannot get for yourself as an individual, okay? And so those are things that are certainly worth doing. These are things that I wish that I had done a long time ago. It probably saved me a lot of trouble. Now, uh, some people talk about forming like a 501c organization, whether 501c3, 501c4. I'm actually not familiar enough Uh, with that stuff to talk about it at great length, nor am I familiar very much with a political action committee PAC, super PAC, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm not familiar enough with those things to talk about them in any detail, but those are interesting prospects, which you may investigate. Another thing that you want to do, uh, this is not actually, I'm I'm actually out of script now. And so if you want to call in at 217-688-1433, that'd be a fantastic idea. Uh, Failing this, I'll just keep talking one of the things that I would have gotten to had I not been uh, jammed up with other things is like when you set out to do some kind of activist project, one of, you need to think about branding. Okay, I mentioned the guy Brian Tracy has this book about branding. If you are going to go out and engage in you know some activity, you have to think about like who is doing the activity. Okay, if you are doing things online. Um, you have the option of anonymity, obviously. Many people in this audience certainly understand that. <clears throat> Your anonymity is almost certainly going to get exposed at some point. People are going to find out who you are, and you must take that into consideration before you do things, right? People go out and operate anonymously, and they're like, well, if anybody finds out who I am, that's going to destroy my life. Well, as as a matter of fact, like you should probably think about that before you do things, because when it inevitably happens that people find out who you are you don't want it to ruin your life right so like you have to take into account the fact that you if you do anything that matters people are going to know who you are all right and if you want to matter then then that's very important but, you know, you operating under, like, a brand name, under an alias, whatever, online, like, that's a choice that you have to consider before you begin. And one of the advantages to operating in that way is that you always have the option of associating your real name with it later, okay? You don't have the option of doing this in reverse. You, you can't be a reputable person. You can't be a person with a reputation, I should say. And then, like like go and hide behind the brand. It doesn't work that way. And so you, it, you may, I think it would uh, perhaps be prudent for you. If you want to begin this course, you would begin using, you know, a brand name. And then at some point, should you see fit to associate yourself with that brand, you always have that, that option. But if you just go out and you, uh, and you begin with my name is Christopher Cantwell and I'm a candidate for Congress, which is what I did, then you're stuck with that forever. OK, so think about that. 217 uh, 688 If you would like to be on the program anymore, you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Read as little bit as possible about like your own ideology. OK, like it, this is a mistake that a lot of people make. You know, they understandably they want to be experts in their field, they, in the ideological bent that they promote. OK, and so people will go and read everything that there is to read about like their ideas and as a consequence of this, that's all that they know, and this makes them really not very interesting to to people who are not of their ideological bent, for one, and also, um, really, did this not work? Goyam TV is not working? Well, that is very unfortunate. Um, let's see here. I have no super chance to read. That's unfortunate. Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. First message, and I'd like a cookie. Cookie, here you go. And so, um, anyway, as I started to say, I just have to check on my uh, my streams here, but everything's going fine. So, like, people go and they try to be experts in their field, and that's perfectly reasonable for you to have that desire. But at the same time, like. If you all you know is like your own ideological stuff, then you're actually really not very interesting to other people, okay? If you want to go out and learn about you you should be able to communicate with people in the movement that you are seeking to Thrust yourself forward with, okay, you know anybody everybody needs a base of support, right? And so you're you're more than likely going to be involving yourself with some kind of political movement that already exists, whether your ideas are completely in tune with that movement or not. And so you need to understand their ideas well enough to communicate with them in order to have a base of support. And so you should read as little as possible about your own ideology and no less than you know you must. So, like, um, if you're involved in libertarianism, you should read some Murray Rothbard. If you're involved in, like, the dissident right, you know, you might read Adolf Hitler. You might read Kevin McDonald. But don't read endlessly about your own stuff, okay? Like, don't, don't read everything, you know, if you're some, you know, leftist, like, you know, read one known Chomsky book and then stop, right? Go and read what you need to know about the movement that you are that is your base of support, and then don't read more from it than that. Read about other things. Okay, now you need to you need to consume like political news. You need to know what's going on in the world. You need to check, you know, news sites every day. But you should actually like endeavor to read things that are are not necessarily in line with you. One of the things, you know, I had at one point canceled my paywall subscription to it because they were sort of gloating about the the Tucker Carlson firing was the wall street journal okay i started reading the wall street journal when i didn't have access to the internet and then like when i got when i got back to the internet i bought a paywall subscription to the wall street journal because you may know that they paywall a lot of their stuff the wall street journal has excellent 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 al- original reporting and it's just that they're a bunch of neocons unfortunately and they have like they basically have a, a lot of democrats doing you know some of the digging for them but you know it's a it's a center right news source that you know, basically is working with a Democrat set of facts, but you know, they have, but they're not necessarily, you know, bent on the advancement of the Democrat party. And so like the, you know, the wall street journal is actually a very good resource. If you want to be well informed about what's going on, the the wall street journal is an excellent resource for that. Um, the Drudge report revolver news, you know, revolver news doesn't care. Like if they're, you know, they're not scrutinous, let's say about what they're doing sometimes revolver news. And that's a problem, but It's a good way to find out what, you know, a a certain segment of the people are thinking. So you need to read some news, but you also want to read, like, you want to read older books, okay? You want to read material about relevant subject matter that is not your ideas, okay? And so I would say, like, you know, politically, you should read six books about race, okay? You should read How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, You should read, um, uh, the new Jim the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. You should read. um, Excuse me, one second. What was the third one from that that I was going to say? What's the other one? Ibram X. Kendi, Michelle Alexander. There's another one. Anyway, read a third fanatic left wing book about race, okay? And then you should also read. Kevin McDonald's, a, um, a people that shall dwell alone. Kevin McDonald's separation and its discontents. Kevin McDonald's culture of critique. Adolf Hitler, Mein Kampf. Charles Murray's, the bell curve. Or maybe even you know you could actually skip the bell curve and go straight to Human Diversity by Charles Murray is the newer book that he wrote. He doesn't talk about IQ as much in there. But like he goes into not only race, but sex. You know, if you want to understand our our politics have become racialized. So whatever your views about race are, in order to understand that phenomenon, you should read the the left-wing books and the right-wing books on the subject is kind of what I'm trying to convey to you, the listener, okay? Economics, you should read V.I. Lenin's The Development of Capitalism in Russia. You should read Das Kapital. You should read—well, obviously, you would want to read Capital by Karl Marx because you would want to read an English translation if you're listening to me, most likely. You should read The General Theory of Money, Employment, and Interest. I believe that's it. But, you know, The General Theory by John Maynard Keynes is the the Keynes book that I'm thinking of. You should read Human Action by Ludwig von Mises— and then you should stop reading books about economics. Okay, after you've read those, like stop it with the economics books. Don't read all day about economics unless you're trying to be an economist. If you want to be an activist, you don't need to be, you know, reading economics all of the time. You need to understand different theories of thought about economics and then you, you know, you have a base of understanding to put all your subsequent information through. You you should read Let's go to the phones. We'll come back to reading in a minute. 217-688-1433 if you would like to be on the program. And the more you talk the less I have to, so please give us a call. Uh, caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you, sir?
1: Well, this is Hadding. Hello, Hadding. Okay, I hope I'm coming through well. If I start to fade, let me know and I'll speak up. You're good, buddy. Um, I hear you loud and clear. Okay, good. Uh, for economics, you know, there is such a thing as fascist economics— all right. There was a very famous author in the 30s named Lawrence Dennis, L A W R E N C E Dennis. Okay? All right, he wrote a uh, wrote a famous book called uh that you free online called uh it's on archive.org called The Coming American Fascism. But uh there's also a sort of a a short version of a short of a, it's a much shorter version of the same general presentation called the dynamics of war and revolution. Interesting. So that's a pretty good thing. And, uh there's also an essay by Mussolini that's on archive.org. It's actually a speech called, uh, capital, wait, uh, but yes, yeah, it's capitalism and the corporate state, capitalism and the corporate state it talks about how capitalism, uh, ceased to function the way it was supposed to function around 1870 and it devolved into cartels. So basically you have to work with this concept of cartels and, you know, remove the unfairness from it or something like that. Um, so, yeah, there's, there is such a thing. Also, there's a, another very interesting author that I read was uh, Sismondi, S-I-S-M-O-N-D-I. He's from the early 19th century. read the, something by him that was pretty interesting, uh, where he has, like, the basic concepts that— uh, uh, basic, he has the basic critique of capitalism, which is that it tends toward um, concentration of wealth and that this eventually kills the economy. Um, S-I-S-M-O-N-D-I, Sismondi. Good to know. Uh, but there was just like one essay by him from a collection that actually was especially useful. It was on uh, Google Books. Um, as far as uh, using pseudonyms, I think that people need to keep in mind the feds are always going to know who you are, right? Are you I, still there? Th-
0: Yeah, I'm still here. And I think that, um, you know, no. I don't think that it, is axiomatic that the feds are necessarily going to know who you are. But I think that if you're doing anything that matters, that is that it is likely going to occur. Right. Um, If you are operating below a certain level, like, yeah, like maybe, you know, you can maybe you can hide. But once you're doing things that matter, then like yeah, the sound is going out there. You're you're not able to hear me. You can't hear me. Hadding, can you hear me now?
1: You can't. okay? I'm not hearing you, so I might as well not be on the phone here. You, you weren't able to
0: yada 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 yada
1: yada yada yada. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna hang up now.
0: Okay, all right. Thanks anyway, Hadding. Well, I don't know what the heck happened right. there. Um, so well,
1: I'm back now. I'm back now. Oh, okay. I'm back
0: now. All right, that's very good. Okay. Okay.
1: So. Okay. Yeah. So um, yes. If, if I if there was a long pause, that's why. All right, because I couldn't hear anything. You know, I was Uh, uh,
0: once you asked me if I could hear you, I started responding, and uh, I don't know what happened. So I'm glad that it straightened out.
1: Okay, so another thing is, but about uh, hiding your identity, the way I've looked at that is uh, it's not really the feds that you're trying to avoid. It's not the police that you're trying to avoid, because if you're doing anything that the police want to know about you, they're probably going to find out. All right, just take that for granted. Uh, so just don't do anything illegal. What has always concerned me was some uh, quasi-Antifa yahoos, some insane Jew, you know, maybe some JDL type, like the people that set Ernst Zundel's house on fire, right? These are the people you want, if you can, just make it a little hard for them to figure out who you don't, like, you know, put a uh flossica banner on the roof of your house. I mean that another thing with that is I mean it it draws neighborhood attention to you and get, makes your life hard unnecessarily stuff like it's so it's good to use a pseudonym for that reason just so that people who don't take a particular interest in knowing what you're doing you won't have it in their face, you know? I mean you can avoid a lot of trouble that way. uh um, indeed and I also want to say about the innovation. You know, you talk about ideology. Don't immerse yourself in ideological material. Well, you know, funny thing is, I, I never read all of Mein Kampf until about you know four years ago. Um, but uh, I wrote this. I wrote this essay. I, I had read something also. I read this uh, outline of National Social translated this outline of National Socialist ideology back uh, you know about thirty years ago, actually. Um, But, uh, you know, I wrote this essay for uh, the Occidental Observer called um, A Party of Plutocrats Has No Future. And basically that is a translation of the essence of national socialism or fascism into the American context. Um, basically what I've said is, you know, you've got to, the Republicans are, are shooting themselves in the foot by uh, being by catering to the rich basically and they should be trying to get the white working people voting for them and if they get the white working people voting for them they can also get the black working people voting for them because they have a lot of the same concerns, right? You yes. know, and that's that's where the Republicans shoot themselves in the foot. And this was actually a, a national socialist critique of the conservative parties was that they 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 catered to the rich so much that they alienated the workers.
0: Yeah, I think right? that that's probably so we're, an we're, accurate we're, description of what the Republican Party had done. And I think that there are, you know, there are factions, the Mitch McConnell, Lisa Murkowski wing, I, I think would very much like to take it back there. And there's, a, there seems to be something of a power struggle going on.
1: And after I wrote that, which I think that was in 2012. Uh, I noticed that actually this these ideas seem to creep out into Republican thinking. There was this book uh, by some guy at Claremont College called The Stakes. And in the last year of his life, before he died, Rush Limbaugh was talking about this. And I found that book. and It was a lot of my ideas that I wrote on the Observer. I Observe. Mean, just vaguely the same ideas, right? Like, we really need to be courting the working class. And you also hear that stuff from uh Knowles, from Michael J. Knowles. You hear basically the same thing. Which may just be an effect of his being a very old fashioned Catholic because a lot of the, the uh corporatism concept, fascist concept really comes from the Catholic Church. But uh you can you can find ways to I mean these are useful ideas that the National Socialists had. They're useful all right, these are ways to succeed politically. You just have to not bring in a bunch of stuff that's inapplicable, or, you know, obviously wave a swastika banner around because that's going to make it harder. You bring in the parts that are applicable, you know, and, and, and you can actually come up with, with workable solutions to current problems and, and maybe persuade some people. And also, a good way is 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 to is to ask questions. I mean, I got on this ideological path by asking questions. I used to be a libertarian long, long <laughs> ago, right? And because you know, I to me, I mean, that that just seems like the truth. I mean, when you're kind of trying to invent a worldview, that's like the most obvious destination because we're given certain principles like individual freedom, right? Uh, and we see that this equality stuff is a problem. Well, how are you going to get around that? Well, you assert freedom, you know. Uh, you know, and and we're given certain ideals like uh, freedom of inquiry and freedom of speech. And you think about these principles that we're all given, and you look around and you see the hypocrisy, right? And you start asking questions. Well, well, what, what? what why did you not let that Nazi speak and explain himself instead of shouting him down? I mean, if do you believe in the free in the marketplace of ideas or don't you? Do not don't you think that the public can sort these things out? You find out no, they don't believe in that. You know. I'm <laughs> basically I mean, we're on a road toward the I'm certainly uh, not where not become.
0: I'm not sure right I follow society, what you're saying about yeah, the, yeah. The, the marketplace of ideas. Like what do you mean that people don't believe in the marketplace of ideas? I I, I I think I missed something.
1: Well, it's like if if they I mean, I watched this TV show very long time ago where they where Matt Cale, who was the successor to George Lincoln Rothwell, he was interviewed on this TV show and the host of the program shouted him down, really. He was very rude to Matt Cale. And I wrote a letter to the production company and complained about it. That that was like the first time that I... I mean, I was curious, because you, if you're looking at things from a libertarian perspective, this National Socialist thing seems very mysterious. What? Why? How did somebody arrive at that? And you want to know, right? Well, so just. Uh, interviewer had him on, and then wouldn't let him talk. Of course, which just infuriated me. Yeah. In addition to being rude. So, if he believe if he believes in you know liberal principles in the in letting the public decide, let all voices be heard, let the public decide. Let him talk. If he if he says things that are foolish, then people will notice that, won't they? But oh. if you don't trust the public. Then you don't believe in the principles that the country was founded on, do you?
0: No, they don't, and I don't think I don't think anybody does, right? I mean, it's once that idea is subjected to scrutiny, uh, it falls apart, right? I think it's is kind of the the lesson that one takes away from that once once one pursues it beyond a certain certain shallowness, right? Um, people talk about themselves yeah. as free speech absolutists and then they are exposed as anything but when they are met with the consequences of what they're saying, right? Yeah.
1: Well, realistically, Well, realistically, the situation is this. Um, we live in a mass democracy uh, where people are expected to have opinions about everything, and... Hardly anybody really has the time to know what he's talking about if he's going to have opinions on everything, right? And that just creates a big opportunity for propagandists to tell them a bunch of stuff that isn't true, right? So that's the way this stuff actually works. I mean, Plato was criticizing this stuff in the uh, fourth century BC, right? In, in yeah. classical Athens, and it's just is true today when when you when you have a, a when you have people voting for politicians, and they're supposed to have opinions about everything, they can't have opinions about everything. It means somebody is telling them what to think. Rush Limbaugh used to say that. I'll tell you what to think, and his audience thought, "Oh, thank you. Somebody will tell me what to think. Somebody that I can trust." And That's basically how that works. Yeah,
0: I I, uh, I had uh, remarked about this to somebody at some point. You know, that well, I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't put it that way, but yeah. I mean, at the end of the day. The idea that everybody has enough information to decide who gets the nukes is sort of preposterous, right? And so, you know, this, this idea that um, the collective wisdom of everybody is uh, it does not stand up to scrutiny, say. And they get their information from people, and the people who give them the information are, in a very real sense, thinking for them. No no question about that.
1: And, and unfortunately, Rush Limbaugh really wasn't uh, trustworthy all the time.
0: <clears throat> he wasn't what, all yeah, the time, I, did you I, say? I, just,
1: yeah, I, yeah. Rush Limbaugh was not trustworthy all the time. I mean, he was—he was sort of told the truth about some things. And, well, you know, uh, Rush Limbaugh time.
0: is subject to the limitations that are, uh, you know, placed upon his enterprise and uh, you know and everything else. And so, Very yeah, true. I get that. You know, um, Rush Limbaugh was—you know—I didn't—I hadn't listened to Rush Limbaugh on any sort of regular basis for most of my life, and in the beginning of twenty twenty, I started listening to the show and like it was an amazing you know experience like getting to know Rush Limbaugh as he was dying of cancer um, and uh, yeah. you know and so i uh, i came to appreciate rush limbaugh a great deal but you know even in that short period of time you know there were obviously uh, there were obviously those moments where you're like okay you know uh, what you're doing is obviously has a uh, has a motive behind it right
1: yeah, and I wrote some articles for the Occidental Observer about him, by the way, called, uh, A Critical Look at Rush Limbaugh. And that's, there's three parts to that. And I always, I always kind of wrestled with him. I, I thought he was in some ways a positive. I mean, he let us down so much on these, uh, go on, dionist wars that was the worst thing about it and also free trade he supported free trade when it, but he regretted it in the last couple of years of, of his life he clearly regretted it um when trump came in he started really showing remorse about his his things that he advocated in the past um well um i have a new article by the way uh C O D O H uh, dot com. Okay, and the article is called "Called Real Lessons of the Evian Conference." It's about uh, how the USA and some other countries tried to make arrangements for Jews to leave Germany in 1938, and the Jews like to slam the whole world for not caring about them all the time. And then, when when you look at what really happened, they had options that they refused to take because. They they didn't want to go to the Dominican Republic. They wanted to go to the United States, you know, where they, they wouldn't have to do physical labor, basically.
0: <laughs> Sounds familiar. Sounds yeah. like a lot of so recent they, they phenomena. Were, they,
1: they, you, you look at that and you realize, okay, how much did they fear for their lives? Because that's what we were supposed to say. Oh, they were in fear for their lives, looking for this escape. No, they weren't. Okay. But, and there'll be more parts to that coming, at least two more. All right. So people
0: can go look at that. C-O-D-O-H dot org or dot com, was it? Com. Dot com. C-O-D-O-H dot com. And then you will find this. um,
1: In my article. Go ahead. At the top of the page there, near the top.
0: Well, somebody might listen to this at a time when it is not at the top. So make sure that they understand the author and the title.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, E-V-I-A-N. Conference.
0: E-V-I-A-N conference. So if you go to C-O-D-O-H dot com and you search for that uh, text string, then they will find material about it and yours will be among yeah. them. All right, great. What is C-O-D-O-H dot com? What is that? Is that an acronym or or like?
1: Committee. It's the Committee for Open Debates. Oh, the Holocaust, you see, it's rooted really in that libertarian. Oh my idea. God!
0: You can't openly debate the Holocaust. That's hate speech, Hanning. Are you crazy? This is surreal politics. Well, that, that was- we don't engage in hate speech here. I'm kidding. Obviously, open debate is healthy, and we're not uh, we're not saying anything bad about that. That's um. A...
1: Okay.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for making a call, my friend. Two one seven six eight eight. 1433 three, if you would like to be on the program and the more you talk the less I have to so please do give us a call and if you don't then I will wrap this up before 11:30 it's 10:44 at the moment so if you want to get on the line then go ahead and do that i have not i have not gone through my normal like reading all the news and pulling up the tabs today i have not uh, i have not endeavored to do that because as i mentioned i had other things uh, come up as i was trying to prepare my show today And so I don't have, like, a whole bunch of things to read to you to waste time. So if you'd like to get on the line, get on the line, and I will talk for a little while while you have the opportunity to do that. So where I left off is talking about, you know, reading. What I think that you should read instead of all of the political nonsense, it's not nonsense, I shouldn't say it that way, but, like, after you have a certain, like, base understanding of what, the subject matter is that that you mean to advance, there's not a, a whole lot of point in immersing yourself in that material, okay? Like, I used to see this with libertarians. They're like, they'll read everything that Murray Rothbard ever wrote, and then they'll read everything that Hans Hoppe ever wrote, and then they're reading, you know, they're listening to libertarian podcasts all day. They're doing all this stuff. This is not a good exercise of your time if you are trying to, like, communicate with other people. You should be... You should turn your car into a college, okay? Like, you should listen to audio books all of the time, not just podcasts. Now, I have an interest in telling you to listen to podcasts all the time, but you might have gathered that, like, I work against my interests all of the time, which is why I keep on telling you, like, to go and, like, give me Bitcoin and stuff like that, because I just have no business sense at all. I have lots of business sense, as a matter of fact, but what I do is I do things that are not in my financial interests, and I need to re- require people to, you know, offset the consequences of this, but... but They Though they are not in my financial interest, they are very much in yours. So what I'm saying is don't listen to podcasts all of the time of things that you already agree with if what you're trying to do is connect to other people, okay? What you should actually be doing is getting in the car and listening to audiobooks about things that are useful beyond the sphere in which you already are, okay? I mentioned Brian Tracy earlier. Like, listen to every Brian Tracy book, Okay. Go and listen to I was listening. I just started listening to Tony Robbins. I've used Tony Robbins name before. I don't know that that's like I don't know that you need to listen to every Tony Robbins book. I gather that he's like a stock guy. I don't know how much you can listen to or read about the stock market. You know, the stock market is a great way to, you know, save money and grow your nest egg into the future. I don't know that I would want to tell anybody to be like a day trader. Let me turn my turn that down. uh so you know maybe listen to a tony robbins book uh the who who else john maxwell has great stuff john maxwell has books on like leadership and business success and this sort of thing robert cialdini i mentioned scott adams uh win Bigley. he also has one that's not uh that's not influence sales related it's called um uh, loser think is what it is how untrained brains are ruining america or something like this and he talks about, that's a really great book, by the way, Loser Think by Scott Adams. He talks about how to think like an economist, how to think like a scientist, how to think like this, how to think like that, like frames of reference from different professions. And like, I thought that, that that's a great book. Um, find books that are useful, like help, self-help things that are not wallow in your depression type nonsense, okay? Like find things that are designed to you know advance your 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 life and your interests in some way and like consume a little bit of pop culture like don't you know i understand that like pop culture is degenerate and people on the right are like oh my god you know you're listening to rap music or whatever but if you want to connect with other people like you need to you need to know what they're listening to and watching right like you know you if you haven't you should you should either read the books or watch every episode of game of thrones for example right um you know what else what other series? I don't know. I've thought about reading the Harry Potter books, frankly, just so I like know the Harry Potter references. People make Harry Potter references in culture all the time and I've no idea what they're talking about. You know, I get that Voldemort is the bad guy. That's all I know. I, I really don't get the rest of it. And I've been saying to myself, like, I should probably go read the Harry Potter books or something. You know, having those cultural references of the things that people are talking about so that you can discuss them with other people are, like, important. You need to be able to, you know, communicate with people. And if you can't, then you are not going to be very useful as an activist at all. Um, anyway. So, that is the beginning of our primer on uh, how to give your all to a cause. Alright? And you are going to find more of these installments as we go forward. And I look forward to presenting them to you. We do this every Monday at 9.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And I would enjoy invite you to join us at a live program if you are listening on some other platform at some other time. The live shows are a lot of fun. Uh, I like to take your calls. You may have gathered. And, of course, if you are in the live chat, whether it's on Rumble or Odyssey, you can throw uh, money at me during the live stream, and then I will read your... Um, I will read your, uh, super chats as they are sometimes called on the air. Everybody who's watching, whether it's on, whether it's on Rumble or whether it's on Odyssey, why don't you go ahead and hit whatever the equivalent of the like button is. You see that little fire thing down there on Odyssey or the, uh, what does Rumble have? Rumble has like, a, uh, a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. So you're going to want to go ahead, thumbs up that video on Rumble for me. If you're like, if you haven't subscribed to the Rumble channel, Go ahead, do that. Like, if you don't have a Rumble account, you can go sign up. Give these people your email address and just go follow me on Rumble, you know? Go follow me on Odyssey. Go follow me on, you know, everything except Twitter because I'm banned from Twitter because I matter. And that means that I'm banned from Twitter. If you matter and you're not working for uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, then you get banned from Twitter is kind of how it works. And so, you know, all those things, Telegram, et cetera, you can follow me. Gab, Gab, hey, Gab, everybody on Gab. I like you guys. And uh, I am at real Chris Cant. I think it's real Chris Cantwell. Yeah. Real Chris Cantwell on Gab is my, uh, is my profile. Yeah. At real Chris Cantwell on Gab. You should follow me there. And all of the things you could send me money, give, send, slash S P M. Uh, all of my crypto keys at, uh, dot slash donate You could become a member, surrealpolitics.com, slash join. That's a great idea. Use code AGENDA33, and if you do, then you'll get 33% off for your first three months. And when you're a member, like, you get discounts in the shop. So all of the great things that I sell at surrealpolitics.com, slash shop, they come to you at a very, very deep discount once you're a member. So become a member, and then go to the shop, and then you'll see the discounted prices. You know what I mean? And so once you do all of those things then, like, uh, you know, you're not going to become a full-time activist because you're not an idiot. You don't want to do that to your life. But, you know, maybe you save some money. Maybe uh, you uh, listen to some Brian Tracy anyway. Maybe you uh, try to make more money anyway. And once you're making more money, then, you know, throwing it at me will be no big deal because, you know, that's what you aspire to do, of course. And if you're not able to do it yet, then, you know, you just follow my advice and eventually you'll make more money. You'll save more money. You'll have more money to give me. And that's in my interest, of course. We'll see you back uh, Wednesday for the member chat. For those of you who are members, I'll be back Friday for the Uncensored production. And we're going to have a great old time with all of it. Thank you very much for tuning in to Surreal Politics. Have yourselves a wonderful evening and good night.